You know, I think, I, I know we want to get into the podcast, but I've got some things I need to get off my chest. <laughs> no, I'm so sh- I'm so shocked. <laughs> and okay. one of them is, and one of them is the topic of, you know, what what kind of podcast is this? What category are we in? What 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 is what is our mission? And I'm looking at our listing on the iTunes. I finally looked at it. Jim has set all of this up. He's got us under what? Society and culture. Society and culture. And so I'm looking at the top 100 podcasts in society and culture, which, by the way, we're nowhere near. (laughs) And I'm fine with that. I actually feel better about that. I'm looking at the cream of the crop of society and culture. And, you know, there's like a Thomas Jefferson hour. Hmm. And there is an ongoing podcast about World War II, and I'm telling you, the icon for that podcast is a picture of Hitler in a swastika. Wow. We get, and we get in trouble when we talk about Hitler. The commissioner is on the phone, and yet this is what it takes to make it in the world. The reason I put us in society and culture is there is no popular culture. And that's the closest thing to what we talk about in general, because everything else was like, if you went deeper into it, you had, it, was, it, w- it went from society and culture directly to either television or movies or music, all of or, which we're talking I'm, about. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not criticizing the placement. I'm just saying maybe we want to change our focus a little more to get with the time. So we can talk about We seem to talk about religion a lot. We might yeah. as well change our topic to mostly about religion and <laughs> metaphysics and... <laughs> Catholicism and Christianity and Mormonism. Why not? Why not? Scientology. I'm willing to do a podcast on religion. How about you? I, Atheism. I don't want to do a podcast on any individual thing. Jesus freak. I'm just saying. I'm just saying that's how you. You know, that's how an audience of more than Mel chooses a podcast to listen to on an ongoing basis. It's something that they can kind of think. Okay, for. The three hours I'm going to listen to this week's episode, it's going to be about this. Because that's the other thing, is our podcasts are getting longer and longer and longer. And we don't have a focus. But if we do, if we limit it to two and a half hours a week about religion, I think we'd be in good shape. <laughs> well, you know the reason our podcasts don't have a focus, because I'm in charge of them. I'm happy with that setting. <laughs> Jim Conley... In charge of the podcast, I'm fine with that. I'm just giving you my honest feedback. Sure, no, it makes it makes it makes sense, except for the part about focusing on religion. I, I just threw that out there as an idea. All of a sudden, it's religious persecution. Okay, okay. <laughs> now we know where you stand, Jim. <laughs> yes, you because... and your religious persecution. Because I don't want to have a podcast specifically and only about religion, therefore I'm religiously persecuting you. Is that what you're saying, Kirk? Well, I think if you went back and did a critical analysis of the content we've talked about through the first 24 episodes, and by the way, this season only is 26 episodes, so we're nearing the end of the first season, (laughs) and we're going to have our break, which, you know, these days runs a year and a half. (laughs) We've got some time where we need to start thinking about what season two is going to be like. If we get picked up. Well, that's the other thing. If we get picked up. I'm getting calls. From? I got, a, I got, well, I got a call. I got a call this week. I don't know if you can hear this. 
Okay. It's Helga from Commissioner Gordon Lover's office. Gordy asked me to call him about the program. He wants to talk with you about the situation with James, the host. Please call back at your earliest convenience. You have the number. Thank you. Bye. Wait, mm. you, you have the number for the home office? Yeah. Oh, I don't. don't you? No, Gordon calls and it's always blocked. <sighs> I have it was in my contract where I could call when something came up. Now, who was that from Gordon Loper's office? That's Helga. Ah, she's Helga. the commissioner's personal assistant. And you have a contract. So wait a second. Wait a second. Wait a second. Let me see. I get this straight. So Tim, you're getting paid. Kirk has a contract, and yet I'm the one that's hosting and doing all the editing, and I don't get shit. It's 9.46 p.m. on Thursday, December 8th, 2011, and that means it's time once again for Medialoper Bebop. Tonight, David Denby of The New Yorker breaks the review embargo and Hollywood goes crazy. Then, the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim sign Albert Pujols and the baseball world goes crazy. And finally, the Red Hot Chili Peppers get inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and I go crazy. All that and what's in Tim's mix on Medialoper Bebop episode 25, don't give it away. I'm your host, Jim Connolly, and tonight I'm sponsored by Stone Smoked Porter. And with me are my co-hosts, Tim Gaskell. Sponsored by a hot toddy, which I'd made tonight for the first time in a long time. I looked up a recipe online, and it was delicious. And Kirk Biglioni. My sponsor asked to remain anonymous. Oh, you ran out of beer? <laughs> okay. So... Guys, did anything happen to any of you between last week's podcast and this week's podcast? Are you talking about the windstorm? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. It was a little breezy out there. <laughs> yeah. Did In you see my video? I put video online because I had to document this. Yeah. Was this yeah. the one where the, <laughs> the trampoline was rolling down the street? No, this was, let's see, this was where my... Uh, gazebo almost blew over and the roof came and almost hit me in the head and stuff fell off and broke. Well, you know, we we were kept up all night by it. <laughs> How inconvenient. It was awful. I couldn't sleep because every time I tried to go to sleep, the wind would blow and then something would bang. Oh, wow, Jim. God damn it, Jim. <laughs> go to hell. Pasadena was ripped to shreds. Yeah. We had a week of like every other major street had all like three of the four traffic lights down, and it's just, it's been a disaster. We're finally getting back to it. Literally, it was like a hurricane hit. It yeah. was it was it was phenomenal. Um, so it's unfortunate that you didn't sleep, but <laughs> some other people were more inconvenienced. Oh, I can't imagine that. <laughs> um, we were okay. Our power flicked on and off. Power-wise, we were okay. We have oh. some. We have some damage that we usually get from these, but only every every couple of years we have a bad one and we have roof damage and we have to file claims and everything. 
this one's probably no exception, but that's all. We didn't we didn't lose any trees. So so well, Kirk that's, Kirk, that's, what? that's the thing is every couple of years we have one of these, but this was epic. It was different. It was more concentrated in the Pasadena Altadena area than I think almost anywhere else. This was bigger than anything anyone can ever remember. It, this was so far off the scale. It was just like in another category in in Pasadena at least and. Uh, power. We've got some people in our neighborhood who just had power go on yesterday. Jesus. And that's, a, that's a week. A week. Some people went with, in our area went without power for a week. We were only out for 24 hours. Yeah, it's amazing in this day and age that uh, power could be and out no one could And no one can explain what happens. I'd like to know when the power goes out for that long in Southern California in the 21st century, what is going on that it's taking that long to restore power? Well, isn't it just gigantic trees just take down like multiple relays between where you are and where the station is? Wasn't that basically what it was? I don't, you know, no one has ever explained it in specific terms. So oh. what you're saying, Kirk, is that you're, you, you had a really difficult commute this whole last week or so. Well, uh, yeah, because I had to leave the house. Okay, so here's the thing. <laughs> No, no power mean, for 24 hours means no coffee <laughs> and limited internet. I was able to connect through my Android phone. Mm. It, ha it happened on the first, which means that I you know, had to do my billing. So I did my billing by turning my Android phone into a hotspot and connecting from my laptop, which is fully charged. But I thought, I need to leave the house. I need to go to a coffee shop where they have internet and coffee, because those are the two things I need right now. Right. And it was like, I walk into Starbucks, and it's like walking into, it's like, it's like Husker Du was playing in a tiny club in 1985. <laughs> it's like wall-to-wall -wall people. You can't, like, even move. And every outlet has, like, something plugged into it. And there's a guy, like, right at the door with his BlackBerry on the floor plugged into the outlet. And he's, like, blocking people away from his phone while it charges. And it's, it was like a refugee camp for the self-employed. You know it how – you know, you could have been, like, the most popular person by just bringing a power strip. Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. But you couldn't even get, I mean, ordering a coffee was out of the question. I left immediately, which led me to drive around Pasadena looking at what was going on and assessing the most likely place to go for coffee and Internet. And I was stunned by the devastation. I mean, just driving down Altadena, it was like... Every intersection had multiple traffic lights down, and there's a certain kind of like the new style of street light and uh, traffic light, which is sort of like a stone composite pole that the, the fixtures are mounted on, that crumbled in this windstorm and like Whoa. snapped in half like a matchstick. And I wow. pulled up on an, on an intersection, and three of the four street lights at the intersection were this they were all this all four of them had this style of pull three of the four were snapped in half and the lights were still working but they were upside down on the ground and the poles had just been snapped in half and that was like you know something that's supposed to withstand not that's not like a tree that's something that's supposed to be built to withstand 
high impact in the elements. Yeah, and earthquakes. We had as much damage or more damage in this community than we've had, you know, more in this community more so than since uh, uh, Northridge, but well, in Southern California probably the most since the Northridge earthquake. Well, I was going to ask you, you live, you were, you live pretty close to the epicenter of Northridge when it happened, right? Yeah, we were just like two miles away. You were in Van Nuys, weren't you? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. was this was was the damage you saw here equivalent? Was it worse? Well, no, because there aren't like the thing about Northridge was was buildings just like flattened, pancaked, like cheaply constructed apartment complexes just like fell on top of each other and and were completely devastated. It was similar in that there was a weird kind of like unpredictable path to the destruction where certain areas would be, you know, you might see like three cars parked in a row on the street and one is hit by a tree and another is hit by a tree and the one in the middle is fine. That's like localized. But some blocks were fine and the next block over there'd be like three or four massive trees knocked down. Um, so it was it was it was weird in that the damage was inconsistent. It wasn't consistent across, you know, everyone got hit the same way. But the order of magnitude was less in terms of, well, you don't have an epicenter for a windstorm the way you do in a an earthquake. Uh, and there were no buildings that were flattened, but certainly there was on Colorado Boulevard, did you see the shell station? Yeah, I saw that. Yes. Yeah. That's what that's I was there that morning looking for coffee and I thought well I'm not going to pull in here <laughs> just on a on a podcasting note cuz I really like all this stuff about the 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 winds and everything do we want to drop one of the other topics I I really want to talk about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame um and I have a feeling we can either <clears throat> drop the review embargo or the Albert Pujols thing I have more to say about Albert I do too okay. All right more then we'll stick with Albert Program note uh, for our affiliates, we're not going to do the New Yorker review embargo story, and so you can just read about it somewhere else and talk about it somewhere else. We're going it was to... embargoed, actually. We can't talk about that till next week. Today, it was announced that the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim have signed Albert Pujols to a 10-year contract for a quarter of a billion dollars. What do you guys think about that? Well, I think... <clears throat> As the Texas Rangers found out, this this deal works out spectacularly well. <laughs> and A Rod went to the Texas Rangers for 250 million over a 10 year period. They won three straight World Series, and he he was MVP three years running. And I think it was something like that, unless I'm misremembering it. Well, no, the Yankees helped them out though, and then the Yankees were so dominant after that. The Yankees did win one World Series with A-Rod. They, they did, and considering A-Rod's uh, lengthy career and great stats during the season, um, you know, it's kind of a surprise that they did win one because he's, during the season, he is ama he's quite amazing. He's, he is the superstar, probably worth almost all that money, but in the postseason, he is a bit of a bust. Okay, so let's, 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 if we're going to go a rod, which is fine, let's let's. Well, it's 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 equivalent to the a rod deal, but that was the a rod deal from ten years ago. Right, but also the, I think there's a huge difference between who Albert Pujols is and who Albert, Alex Rodriguez is. Don't you think? We we thought there was, but now it's starting to look like they're more similar. 
Oh, so and, so either one of you. I, what I mean, what I mean by that is Albert Pujols had a chance to make a statement about loyalty, and he had a chance to be the rare Hall of Fame caliber player who actually played his entire career in this era for a single team. And like the Cardinals, the Cardinals reportedly offered him something north of 200 million, like 230 million for nine years, which worked out season for season to be comparable. And really, when you get up to that much money, another 20 million is not that big of a deal, percentage-wise. Yeah, and when you're hitting 40 and you're not producing the same numbers, it makes sense well, to and, not... Yeah, and, and this, is the, this is the thing. He could have played out his career with St. Louis in a baseball town where he's already established, and five years in, when his skills start to diminish those fans are going to be more understanding of where he's at than they are going to be in Anaheim, where he's just the guy who came in for a quarter of a billion dollars, and now you know we're halfway into the deal, and you hate to see him in the lineup. He's not. The difference is in St. Louis, he was part of the family. Here, he's just a hired gun. He is a hired gun, but that is the nature of sports these days. There are, well, and this is why I'm saying he had, a, he had a chance to make a statement. Okay, wait a second. Okay, wait, wait. Time out. Time out. A, let me back up the truck on these days. Name me five Hall of Fame players right now who played their entire career with one team. Go. Screw you, Jim. We are not here to be your goddamn baseball analytics otaku who have, you know, the baseball record book memorized. This is a goddamn religious podcast, and you're bringing up baseball, and you're wanting us to quote statistics when we're here to talk about the goddamn Bible, Jim. Well, we are. You're swearing. You're swearing on us. You are going to burn in hell. This is exactly my point. My point is, is that we always talk about, oh, the good old days where players stayed with their entire team. Good old days, the Old Testament, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Don't forget. That's what we're here to talk about. Don't forget the big one, reserve clause. That was really good. And yet players still didn't play their entire careers with one team. Yes, Stan Musial. Mickey Mantle. Mickey Mantle. Ted Williams. Yes, yes, some did. On the other hand, Willie Mays, right? He didn't. He Babe, didn't play the whole. Babe Ruth, right? Babe Ruth. Babe Ruth on the Red Sox. See, so for every one you can name that stayed with this entire, that's really rare. It always has been rare. It always will be rare. So this whole thing about loyalty and staying with your with your team, eh? Okay, 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 okay. It's for religious fanatics is what it's for. That aside, you have to admit that if he had stayed in St. Louis, they would have been more understanding of Albert Pujols and more receptive to him as a player in seasons 6 through 10 than they will be in Anaheim or wherever it is he ends up. Not if they still gave him a quarter of a billion dollars. A quarter of a billion dollars and not and not doing what you've been paid for, it doesn't matter. Barry Zito was loved in the Bay Area, and the Giants gave him, you know, what, an eighth of a, mil- eighth of a billion dollars over seven years. And- well, that, that, was, that was just crazy. Yes, but- it was fucking <laughs> Dumbest trade ever. I mean, dumb, dumbest deal ever. That's the other thing about this deal is, that, like, it's priced for the superstars of the steroid era. The only way Albert Pujols plays anywhere near the, this, this caliber... 
of production for the next 10 years as if he's on steroids. Well, which I agree. I'm just I'm still waiting for the penny to drop on the Alberts uh, Pujols steroid scandal. It hasn't happened whether, yet. He hasn't whether busted, he is or not, he, I, you know, we hope he isn't. I hope he isn't. I hope he isn't. I hope he isn't. But it just seems he, his numbers and his physique kind of talk. They they speak steroids to me. They well, there do. are big guys who don't aren't on steroids. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> Yeah, and and by the um, way, let's if we want to go down that rabbit hole, you know, I don't give a flying fuck about steroids because it doesn't mean you hit the ball, it doesn't make you hit the fastball. No, I know it just makes you when you do connect hit farther. But uh, Kirk, I have one question for you: Would you rather play and live in St. Louis or Los Angeles? I've never been to St. Louis. Exactly, nobody has. And nobody let's has. let's put this into perspective: He's playing in Anaheim. No, 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 no. There was an Onion article last week that said Obama administration creates three million jobs. Unfortunately, they're all in St. Louis. Kirk, the thing is, Barry Bonds, when he was playing for the Giants, he lived in Beverly Hills. Oh, now you're all pro LA. I get it. I got it. <laughs> no, I'm just making it. a point. If okay. you can, it's a bit harder to be playing in St. Louis and live in Beverly Hills. And it's also but, really well and good to go, oh, well, you know, he's left St. Louis. They are he's getting a quarter of a billion dollars. That's you know what? It's like it's like crusting the clouds. They were gonna pay him two hundred and thirty billion dollars, two hundred and thirty million dollars to stay there. That's not enough. Yeah. You need that not extra enough. twenty million dollars. Yeah. Because right. you know, <laughs> you gotta figure the taxmen's yeah. gonna take half of that. So you're gonna be He's got kids to feed, you know. It's like that's going to be that's going to be tough. Tim, do you yes. feel like Kirk is reacting to this as an Oakland Athletics fan? Why wouldn't I? Oh. You, guys, you guys are not you. You guys are not AL West followers. I am. And so he's going to be taking down the mighty Oakland A's. Well, the Oakland A's anyway. Yeah. Here's the deal: the first three or four years of this deal are probably really bad for the A's. Because they're you know division rivals, the next six years are probably pretty good for the A's because then the Angels potentially have a huge amount of money tied up in a player who's not producing up to that level. How much would you pay to go to the game where Albert Pujols hits his 800th home run? Oh, I I figure I'll be there just you know because it's a Saturday afternoon in Anaheim and I'll happen to be the guy who catches the ball. I think that, you know, is just consistent with the life I've lived. <laughs> mm. Loving Jesus the way I do, I assume that's the way it's going to play out. Huh. Well, you know what? Tim Tebow. Now, there's another subject, but... <laughs> we'll have to explain who Tim Tebow is to Kirk. I'm going to talk week. about Tebow during one more thing. Yesterday, the latest inductees to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame were announced. So, Guns N' Roses, Beastie Boys, Faces, absolutely. Laura Nero, I guess, whatever. But there's a good reason that Donovan hasn't made it till now. And oh yeah, the Red Hot Chili Peppers are now going to be inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Meanwhile, The Jam, The Replacements, The Smiths, Public Enemy, X, Africa Mombata, Sonic Youth, LL Cool J, Husker Du, they're all shut out. Rush. Rush, Kiss, Deep Purple, but even if all the of the residents, the residents, but even if all of those people were in, 
the Red Hot Chili Peppers, who've, who in 30 years have written two great songs, Knock Me Down, Give It Away. So what the fuck? I, 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 I don't know how Kirk feels, Jim. I'm kind of not in the same corner, only because... You're wrong. I think, I think the Chili Peppers have actually written more than one, two great songs. I think Blood Sugar, Sex Magic is start to finish a great album, and I think every album they've done since that album has one or two kind of bona fide classics on it. So I'm, I, I kind of, I, I have nothing against them. They're not, you know, they're not a favored band, but I've always got a couple of Chili Peppers songs in the mix somewhere, and you know, I don't mind them. They're, they're, they do the, they do what they do. They do it well. They've They've kind of, they've they've lasted. They've they've got longevity. Um, oh, so they've, they've got a big following. You know, they're not. I there there are far worse bands that could be in there than the Chili Peppers. That's my. So I agree with I agree with everything Tim said, except that I agree with everything Jim said before that. <laughs> <laughs> the problem is when you get into like something like the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So in the beginning, with the rules, it's easy to look like it's going to be this pristine thing where they make all the right choices because we're starting from scratch and there's all this great music. And over time, it becomes more and more disconnected from the music that was really monumental versus the music that was just you know pleasant and popular which is a different category than the Hall of Fame. Well, so this goes back to the discussion we had about Journey, about over time things that were popular end up becoming yeah. critically acclaimed. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, here the, my, my only thing with the Hall, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is <clears throat> for to be called the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and not have people like Iggy Pop and the Stooges and the MC5. and I think Iggy's in like, there. The thing the Stooges have made it. Oh, maybe, I thought they hadn't. But anyway, um, you know, that kind of thing. New York Dolls haven't made it. What about X? Is X in the... No, God, no. Yeah. See, no. you know, to me, that is what makes it. Now, people like Laura Nero, who I have a lot of respect for as a songwriter, she should be in, like, the, you know, the, the, the Songwriters Hall of Fame or something, and you know, but... Well, well, this is the other part of it, though, is that... I mean, we're almost we're we're. I mean, seriously, we're living in a post rock era, I guess, in a weird way. And so, I don't mind that rock and the rock and roll Hall of Fame really means popular music of the last fifty years Hall of Fame. Mm. And I don't care that 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 Miles Davis is in it, or Willie Nelson's in it, or Johnny Cash is in it, because those people have contributed so much to popular music in the last fifty years. Yeah. So, and, 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 and as I get older and, and less worried about that, I guess, or less, I don't know, forgiving or whatever about, or, or, or I just think that, that the phrase rock and roll just kind of has now become just equivalent to pop music. Well, exactly. That's the thing. It's kind of a terminology thing. It's not really, it's kind of like a music hall of fame rather than the rock and roll hall of fame. Rock and roll so, hall of fame! I mean, it's not really that you know, anymore. If, I'm sorry if, you know, if... If Kiss isn't in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, I'm I'm just not on board with that. You know, and I Kiss, don't. Kiss isn't in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Is that what you're telling me? Yeah. How is that possible? Yeah. I don't know. I don't even like Kiss, and I think they should be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Exactly. 
I think part of the problem is, and I don't want to get into a sensitive subject, and it would be easier <laughs> to get into these kind of topics if we really were doing the religious podcast I think we should be doing, where we talk about issues like mortality in addition to morality. Jim, you're getting old. Tim's older than I am. And we're all getting old, but Jim, your vision of what rock and roll should be is really based on a worldview that is long gone. Wait, what did I just say that rock and roll has now evolved into a more uh, everything, all popular music? Didn't I just say that? Well, yes, but you miss the old days. Yeah, but your but still, what you feel should be in there is is defined by your 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 um my generation your generation my ethos your ethos there you go okay so go on kirk i continue your 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 long form insult (laughs) (laughs) jim tonight before i go to bed i'm going to pray for your soul (laughs) you know what i don't mind that it's 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 like you know what it's like it's like if it's like a gay guy being attracted to me fine i don't care pray for my soul be attracted to me it's fine i'm i'm there are two there those are two entirely different things i think they're the same thing (laughs) what if jerry sandusky was attracted to you well, Don't you I, understand? Gays can serve in the military, but children cannot pray in, in school. Really? That's the extreme. And you've pulled gay and praying together in a way that's just inappropriate. Rick Perry would not approve. You know who the most religious president was, don't you? In terms of showing up in church and mentioning God and all that stuff. You know who the, in, in the last uh, 50 years or so? Jimmy Carter? Most- Nope. Nixon. Clinton. Well, you know why? Because he sinned the most, so he needs the most redemption. Exactly. But he. You know what's ama- you know amazing? Clinton is not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. <laughs> not yet. But give him 25 years. You know why? Because he still he hasn't released his, his recording career didn't start till after he came out of office. And you know that he released that Sucky Live album. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, the spirit in the sky screen homicide, but it was time to ride on some niggas funny And now it's time for In the Mix. This week, Tim Gaskell tells us what he's listening to right now. In the Mix is on. Okay. <laughs> First up is The Roots, the new album, Undone. This is like, I don't know, their 12th album or something. And. I, I, I have never been into them in a big way, and I've only got I've got a couple other albums, and they're good and everything. But the new album is pretty pretty spectacular. It's uh, supposedly a loosely based concept album or something like that. I haven't really taken it all in. I always find those things a bit hard to follow, especially if you put stuff in the mix. But actually, listening to the album start to finish is quite a rewarding experience, and I do recommend it. it- Um, I have these debates with my son all the time about rap music and kind of 
the problems with it and the problems that I have with it from a musical point of view. Which Do you just not is, caught into that newfangled rap? Well, no, I, I like some of it, but I keep telling you, you know, a lot of the stuff he plays me has those kind of, those kind of fake drums, and, you know, it's just like guys write the words and then they 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 have some producer bring in beat beats and they they put them together in the studio but there's no real kind of groove there's no kind of you know musicality to it but the, what the roots do is they marry this stuff together they have they have it's rap it's got hooks it's got a groove it's got real drummers it's got you know it, it's it's a it's just a great listening experience, which I find at rap I find I'm good with one or two songs, but never a whole album. Whereas this, I could listen to the whole thing in one sitting. So next up, a. Song cycle based on snow, 50 words for snow by Kate Bush. It's one hour approximately. It's seven songs. The shortest song is about six minutes and 50 seconds. Um, and it kind of starts off a bit slow, I do admit. Um, and I wasn't a big fan of her last album, but this one is kind of interesting. It kind of builds a bit, and there's these, these songs are, it's kind of like a Pink Floyd album or something, you know, it kind of. It picks up, takes off, and it it gets more interesting the more you delve into it and the more you listen to it. It's it's actually really good. I do like it. It's her best album in in quite a few years. She's not that prolific as you know, but um, it is Kate Bush, and she's always interesting. She's never released a you know a bad album, but you know some albums are just better than others. And this one's better than the last one, and maybe better than the one before that. You sound lonely. The last thing in my mix, um, the Billy Corgan is now back on tour with a band he's calling the Smashing Pumpkins. Is Jim? Is it's, Jim? Is James E. High in it? No, no, no. It's, uh, Chamberlain, it's, Billy, it's, or, uh, it's Billy Corgan and Hired Hands. Uh, Darcy is Darcy back in it? No, 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 no. It's Billy Corgan and Hired Hands. There's no original members other than himself. It is like who? It's the Smashing Pumpkin, and um, the kind of coinciding with this, he's got he released some stuff in the last year, but also they've re-released the first two albums, uh, being um, Gish and Gish and Siamese Dream, and double uh, deluxe editions, remastered and everything, and. They sound, basically, they sound really good. Yeah. 
there are some interesting things on this on the second discs that have some kind of live stuff, BBC stuff, B sides, etc. Some of it you may have heard before, some of it not. And uh, but the 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 really really good thing is that the remixes are really good, and it you know kind of crank it up. And the reason I like it a lot hearing this now is because we're kind of in an age, in this post Adele age, where everything <laughs> is, everything is kind of. Uh, nice and soft and it's just nice to hear some something that rocks Siamese Dream is, is was great in 1993 and has never not been great. Yeah, it's a it's a time. Gish was kind of like a nice ramp up to it, and it it holds up pretty well. But Siamese, yeah, Siamese Dream is the pinnacle of the Smashing Pumpkins. We were we were listening to that last weekend on um, Spotify, which is my chosen uh, medium for listening to all of these reissues that are coming out, so I don't have to pay money for them all. Yeah, and it's it still sounds amazing yeah and the thing you were saying is about the volume is like it always sounds it is an album that has always sent no matter what volume you listen to it it always sounds loud but yeah. i always find, find myself turning it up yeah yes. never never turning it down it's and it still sounds amazing and the thing that popped into my head as i was listening to it this weekend is that um and i know i'm gonna get some flack from you guys is that in that era um smashing pumpkins were a much better band than nirvana well i'm sorry i'm sorry <laughs> i'll take siamese dream over nevermind any day Yeah, to me they're kind of they kind of run parallel to me. Um, oh, they're both they're both part of the they're both the best albums of their respective years are pretty damn yeah, close. I can't, yeah, I can't really so it's pick like one of I mean other. you know that's apples and that's apples and oranges to me, Kurt. Though I did see Smashing Pumpkins at Lollapalooza the next year after that, mm-hmm. and was that with the Beastie Boys? It was with the Beastie Boys and the Breeders. Yeah, we saw that. Yeah, we saw that in L.A. And and Billy Corgan had like a fucking breakdown on stage where he started cursing the audience out, and then just was sitting there playing feedback, and it was it was kind of oh, that awesome. Was part of the show, <laughs> probably did was. They strut, did they start that set with a long uh, car chase from Bullet? Yes, yes, yes. I saw Billy Corgan and the Smashing Pumpkins, maybe it must have been maybe a year or so after that, at the Reading Festival in England. You mean the the Reading Festival, right, where you get books? Reading Festival, yeah. Hole was on the bill, and 
I think Green Day. I mean, it was an amazing lineup. Oh, Green Day was at Lollapalooza too. Yeah, it was, it was around that time. Um, they he was actually in a very kind of um, he was in one of those moods where he was really trying to poke fun at the Britpop bands at the time. And he was quite crude, actually, on stage. He said, he came out and he said, wow, I was just backstage and that guy from Oasis just gave me a blowjob. <laughs> and I thought, wow, that's kind of an uh, interesting thing to stay, say, on, admit to on stage. Sir, just one more thing. One more thing, Kirk. So I got an email this morning that should have made me the happiest person in Pasadena. And after following the link and thinking about it, I'm not sure I care anymore. It's about TiVo oh. is back with DirecTV. I got that email. Yeah. Finally, finally, I can get a TiVo again. And, you know, well, TiVo's still great, but then I look at the page that DirecTV sent me to, and they're, of course, pushing their own brand, DVR, which was voted PC Magazine's Reader's Choice DVR, but there's just no way that the DirecTV DVR, even today, compares to the last time I had a TiVo, which was years ago now. I have one now, Um, and it's still awesome. Yeah. I'm thinking about it. It's another $200 and a two-year commitment. And so I started thinking about all of these things. Like in two years, do I really still want to be tied up with DirecTV? I don't know. I'm a free agent now. I can do whatever I want to. I could cancel DirecTV tomorrow if I wanted to. So you're like Albert Pujols, basically. Yeah, I was. And I think I might remain a free agent with whatever DVR I have instead of making some kind of weird commitment for two years. TV, you know, I got Apple TV, for example, the internet, what all this stuff that TiVo does is now stuff we just take for granted. So I think that the reality is TV has been, TiVo has been out of my mix for so long that it's kind of lost I don't know. I know it, the UX is still very, very special. I know that it's probably the best DVR around, but I think that the way we watch TV has changed to the point where even 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 the thought of a new TiVo is not enough to um, to uh, get that uh, kind of commitment with where everything's well, yeah, changed. To, to make a to make a two-year commitment in this day and age to a, a cable TV or a satellite TV provider makes sense. So. Tim Tivo is your one more thing. Well, this is the other thing. Is this this some kind of corporate tie-in? I know he's a football player. And is Tivo paying him to take their name? No, 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 no. It's it's T-Bo with a B, not T-Vo with a V. Oh, that's (laughs) different. 
But Never mind. I think if the money's right, he could change his name. <laughs> so if they gave you a quarter of a billion dollars, would you do it, Kirk? I would become Tim what if, Tebow. What if, the te- what if the TiVo man had like a halo over his head? <laughs> and then the TiVo man did the bowing thing? Maybe just on certain screens. And did the finger pump to God when he scored? When he went, when, 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 when after six months, by the way, it still takes like um, almost a decade to boot up a TiVo when, when you have to restart it. This maybe is the tea bag edition mm. of TiVo. <laughs> hmm. One more thing, Tim. Okay, I have to ask you guys a question. If I mentioned uh, Frank McCourt to you, what was the first thing that comes to mind? Scumbag. Great seats. Owner seats. seats, when he was owner, were the best seats. Well, what if I said to you, he wrote a couple of really great memoirs, and he's from Ireland. And uh, <laughs> the first one was called Angela's Ashes. Right, yeah. And here's here's the thing. I finally read both of his first two memoirs this year, and... Um, so this is like Michael Jackson beer critic, basically. Exactly. The um, I think the the thing that people have with a book like Angela's Ashes is that people are um, either put off by the title or they think it's a real heavy subject matter or whatever. You but, mean people dying in, in Ireland of poverty? Yeah, but it's kind of funny as well. Um, it's fucking what, laugh riot. No, no. <laughs> The, there's a there's a sense of humor in his writing that is is just amazing. It, it runs through all of it, and it's not like real sentimental or cloying or depressing or anything. I think people have I think people have this impression that maybe Angela's Ashes is like a depressing book or something. And yeah, there are a couple of siblings that die in child, you know, when they're children or whatever. But that's not that's that's a part of the story. It's not the story. So. And then his book, when he when he comes back to America, uh, when he's older, when he grad, when he gets goes to school and teaches and everything, it's a really uh, it's it's a great memoir and it's it's funny and um, you know it's not that true. I mean he had he had horrible parents basically, but it's kind of a story of overcoming that and his life that he made in America. It's it's just great writing. It's very very funny, very humorous, and you know I think he gets a bad rap people think it's kind of heavy and dour and stuff but it's not and i do recommend it so tim did he use the money he made from the book because it was a big bestseller right yeah so did he use the money he made from the book to buy the dodgers yeah and then he turned into a real terrible he went from being a school teacher i guess to um the owner of the dodgers and then he he, didn't he buy some parking lots in between parking lots yeah so one more thing Last week, Netflix made a few hundred thousand of us very happy by adding the short-lived FX show Terriers to its streaming service. For the other 300 million of you, Terriers is not a show about dogs, but rather a show that came out last year about two scruffy, scuzzy West Coast private eyes who inadvertently stumble onto a case that is much too big for them. It was gritty, low-key, and an awful lot of fun. And yet, all the publicity for the show, including right now on Netflix, features a dog front and center. And the P.I.s played with soulful intensity by Donald Logue and Michael Raymond James in the background. Because of the misleading name and the even more misleading publicity, 
Terriers never found an audience beyond the critics and was canceled with regrets, but canceled nonetheless by FX. And in fact, since it was canceled, not even a DVD has come out. So this right now is your chance. If you've still got the Netflix streaming, check out Terriers. Give it a couple of episodes until the plot arcs kick in and you won't regret it. But Jim. Yes. People love dogs. That could only help having dogs. It's got Terriers in the title. I'm in. (laughs) Yeah, that brings people in. They come for the dogs. They stay for the show. Is Marley in this one? (laughs) Yes. Uh, but it, but it's Damien Jr. Gong, not not Bob. <laughs> and that does it for Media Loper Bebop episode 25, Don't Give It Away. Thanks for listening to our podcast. And as always, thanks to my co-hosts, Tim Gaskell. Asleep. And Kirk Biglioni. I just realized next week is the exciting season finale. Of? Media Loper Bebop. There's <laughs> going to be oh. one of those cliffhangers. Ooh, we better get to writing. (laughs) Yeah. I'm Jim Connolly, and we'll catch you guys again next week for our big season finale. Same Bebop time, same Bebop channel.